Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, the 18th of November, 2020. Do you remember the longest night of your life? One of our passages today, Psalm 130, always brings to mind one of the longest nights of my life. I was a college student spending a semester in Israel, and for spring break, me and a few friends went down to Egypt and uh, went as many places as we could possibly go there. And we felt like, you know, we had conquered, you know, everything. There There was no sight left unseen. And so on our way back, we knew there was one more challenge that we had heard from somebody else that we had to do, and that was sleep at the top of Mount Sinai. And we were, we thought we were college students. We, we were invincible, right? This was going to be, was going to be great. Climb the mountain, they said. Rent, rent some blankets, they said. Watch a beautiful sunrise, they said. Well, uh, not so much. It was not that great of an experience. We arrived at uh, Mount Sinai or the traditional location of it there in the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt, at the bottom of which is St. Catherine's Monastery, which, uh, if you remember from John uh, chapter 8, we learned about even just some of the biblical discoveries, um, the Codex Sinaiticus uh, that was discovered there at that monastery. But we started climbing up the mountain. You know, we hiked up all the way to the top. We had a hearty dinner that we found, you know, from some of these kind of vendors they have with their little huts up on the mountain of some candy bars. And as we got to the top, we rented some blankets. Uh, from yeah, some of the the people that depend on tourists uh, coming through up there, and we kind of set up shop right there at the top of the mountain. What we didn't know is that we were in for one of the coldest nights of our lives. It was impossible to really get to sleep as as the night went on, kind of this wind came up and was just kind of whipping over the top of the mountain. And these blankets that we had been given, um, th- these weren't from REI. These weren't rated for like cold temperatures. These were stinky, not very good blankets. And so our group, we pretty much just spent the night shivering away at the top of Mount Sinai. And there is a little extension of the monastery up at the very top of the mountain. And a about 2.33 a.m., uh, some monks at the monastery started kind of doing these chants in the monastery, which we were right next to. And so you were, you were kind of starting to wonder, am I dreaming? Is this real life? Am I even still alive? It was so cold, and now there's these chants going. I mean, you, you just feel completely out of sorts. And pretty soon, all of your hope is banking on one thing, the sunrise. When is the sun going to rise so that we can get warm, so that we can move on from this regrettable decision that we have made to sleep at the top of Mount Sinai? And I always think of that night when I come across Psalm 130 and verse 6, where it says, my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. And I can think of that night because, man, we, I was waiting like a watchman for the morning. We, we were waiting for the sunrise. We were banking on the, the warmth of the sun coming up again. 
But the psalmist here, he says, my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. And let me give you some context here in this psalm. It says, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And so what I want us to think there, I mean, there's that picture of the watchman waiting for the morning. uh, And I remember that, you know, me literally waiting for the sunrise. And here we are directed to wait for the Lord. And you see in verse five, he says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits in his word, I hope. And then he's commanding Israel, hope in the Lord. And so the question I want to ask you today is this, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for a change in circumstances or are you waiting on the character of God? Because you see there, he makes a contrast. He is waiting for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, right? The watchman for the morning, he's waiting for that change of circumstances. He's waking, waiting for the sun to come up so that his watch is over so he can get some rest. I was waiting for the sun to come up so I could get warm again. And maybe finally get some sleep. And so those are changes of circumstances. But the whole point of this psalm is not, I'm waiting for a change of circumstance, but out of the depths, I'm crying to God and I'm hoping in him. I'm hoping in his character. I'm not banking it on myself. Verse three, I mean, he admits, God, if you were marking iniquities, oh Lord, who could stand? He's saying, God, surely... He's admitting that he's not perfect because he knows if God was keeping track of all of his sin, he would not be able to stand. But he's praising God that there is forgiveness. So that's one way we see the character of God there, that he's he's waiting on the forgiveness of God. And he's trusting in that. I love how it says, with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. That the forgiveness of God shouldn't lead us to take God less seriously or his holiness as a trivial thing, but the forgiveness of God should actually make us appreciate him more. And then I love verse 7, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with him there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. He's not banking on necessarily a change in circumstances. He's banking on the character of God, his steadfast love his plentiful redemption. And so I don't know what's what's going on in your life today, uh, wh- what the depths are that you're crying out of. I don't know if you've had a long night recently with, with something that you were worried about or consumed with. And I know for a lot of people, this has just been a long year and we're waiting. When is this cloud of just uncertainty going to be lifted? Will it ever? And that's where I want to encourage all of us today to instead of put your trust in in some circumstance changing or, you know, hey, maybe there's good news and maybe the, you know, things will get back to normal quicker or whatever. Don't put your trust in circumstances. Put your trust in the Lord. In him, there is steadfast love. In him, there is plentiful redemption. In him, there is forgiveness. 
that he may be feared. So don't just be a watchman waiting for the morning. Don't just be waiting for a sunrise to change your circumstances. Be trusting in the God who is in charge of everything. Trusting in the God that is full of steadfast love and full of redemption. Now, I want us to move on to Ezekiel chapter 21 and 22 today. And again, these are intense passages of judgment. Ezekiel 21, we see this image of God. He's pulled out his sword and it's not going back in the sheath. Judgment is coming. And in chapter 22, even starting in verse 6, it really goes into detail on just a lot of the sin of the people, that there is uh, violence, there is financial impropriety, there's disrespect towards parents, there's sexual immorality, they're profaning the Sabbath, um, there's bribes and injustice and just all these things. And God is saying, I am going to judge you for these things. But there was one verse that stood out to me towards the end of the passage when he's talking about um, all these sins that they have done in verse 30 of chapter 22. It says, and I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore, I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have returned their way upon their heads, declares the Lord God. So it says there he was looking for someone to kind of stand in the breach for the nation. And if you like me reading through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, it gets me uncomfortable when I start thinking about my own nation. When I start reading all the sins listed off here, I'm like, ouch, too many of these are hitting close to home. But I was challenged reading um, that passage of who's going to be the person that stands in the breach before God? Who, who are going to be those kind of people for the United States of America? People that stand in the breach, uh, calling out to God and hopefully at least delaying his, his judgment a little longer. And I actually saw a connection here between this idea of somebody standing in the breach and Jude. And we, we read the first half of the letter of Jude today. Again, just a kind of a postcard epistle, one chapter, a written, we believe, by the brother, one of the half-brothers of Jesus Christ. And he says there that, In verse 3, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And so he's encouraging them, I need you to contend for the faith. And then he describes false teachers. He describes just immoral um, people, people that are blaspheming, people that are headed towards judgment people even within the church. And so that's where I think this is kind of describing what are these people like that are going to stand in the breach? Well, they're going to be people that are ready to contend for the faith. And I think in the context, we see this a couple ways. One is through right doctrine, that we will contend for what is right, um, but also that we will live differently, that it's not just about what we're saying, but it is about how we are living that we are rejecting the passions of the world and we are faithfully following Christ. 
So who are going to be the people that stand in the breach? Think through your workplace. Think through your neighborhood. Think through your families. Are you going to be the one that is standing up for the truth, standing up for what is right? And we know from scripture that there's right ways to go about doing this, um, but who are going to be those people? Who are going to be those kind of churches? I pray that Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, is one of the churches that is standing in the breach, that is committed to the truth, that is committed to integrity and holiness uh, to a man in the church. And that we are standing in the breach, even praying for our nation, being a light in our nation, a light to the truth of God and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Finally, today, we look at the last passage that we've looked at together in the gospel of John, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21, the passage where Jesus famously says, I am the good shepherd. And we looked at this recently as a church, and so I want to just highlight again one verse for you, and that is verse 10, which says, The thief came only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And here, that I found that such a powerful picture that the things that the world has they're just going to take our lives away. When Jesus, he came and his teaching should lead to abundant life. We looked at the cross reference in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If our faith is in Christ, the reality is there's nothing that we need today that we don't have access to through our good shepherd. Do you believe that? And that's one of the reasons why our hope should not be set on some circumstance that we hope will change, but our hope should be on our shepherd who, whether we are in green pastures by still waters or whether we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he will be with us. And he is full of steadfast love, full of plentiful redemption, as it says in Psalm 130. Are we going to trust in him no matter what the circumstances are and trust that he will give us that abundant life that even in the presence of our enemies, he prepares a table? So let's trust in the Lord today, not just in our circumstances. May our soul wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.